from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, it has not been a good week for the FBI. First, there was the Durham report, which exposed their naked political bias. And then today, the House Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Government exposed the agency's use of J. Edgar Hoover type tactics. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. And I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. Weaponization against not only its own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. We'll get a report from Rebecca Downs, a reporter with townhall.com in just a moment. And yesterday, a three-judge panel in the Fifth Circuit heard oral arguments in the abortion drug case where the Biden administration tried to defend their efforts to expand abortion by removing safeguards related to the abortion drug. Now, their efforts didn't appear to go very well, as Judge James Ho, one of the three panels, one of the members of the panel, quizzed the classification of pregnancy as an illness by asking about the celebration of Mother's Day. Were we celebrating illness? No, Your Honor, but FDA used the words illness, condition, disease interchangeably in its subpart H uh, regulation when it was promulgating it. We'll be joined by Lathan Watts, Vice President of Public Affairs with Alliance Defending Freedom, who is challenging the Biden administration. Speaking of abortion, the Republican supermajority and the North Carolina legislature overrode their abortion-devoted governor, Roy Cooper, yesterday. We'll be joined by the author of the bill that protects unborn children after 12 weeks, North Carolina State Senator Joyce Krovic. That's later here on Washington Watch. And in more evidence of the Democratic Party's disturbing devotion to abortion, the Biden administration is willing to hold the military hostage, violate the law, and usurp Congress. I'm standing up for the rule of law. What's not a good look is the Democrats coming to the floor and defending, defending an executive branch that is not doing their job. They're trying to do ours. That was Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. He joins us later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Daniel chapter 11. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand. For some days they shall stumble by sword and flame but, and by captivity and plunder. This prophetic word speaks of the challenges the Jewish nation faced during the reign of the brutal anti-Semitic despot Antiochus, who was a type of what is yet to come in the Antichrist. See, flattery by those who stand counter to God and the truth often calls those who are shallow in their faith to defect, whereas those who know God and his truth shall not only stand firm in the face of deceit, they will act with boldness to uphold the truth, enlightening and encouraging others. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. FBI whistleblowers testified this morning before the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, detailing the retaliation they received after exposing abuses they witnessed throughout their time at the Bureau. Joining me now for an update from Capitol Hill's Rebecca Downs, a reporter with Town Hall. Rebecca, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. So what did we learn this morning from today's he uh, today's hearing? So um, it was a lot that was uh, mentioned in a report that the select committee under the House Judiciary Committee put out, 
which is that the FBI is retaliating against whistleblowers, against their own who uh, wanted to report wrongdoing out of service to their country, out of love for the work they're doing, um, and to challenge the FBI to do better. Unfortunately, they were retaliated against. Um, we heard testimony from agents who were had their possessions locked out. They were locked out of their possessions. They were suspended without pay. They were treated very, very horribly. Unfortunately, they were then treated very horribly by Democrat members on the select committee who questioned their stories, who questioned that they were even whistleblowers. There were some very chaotic moments, which would almost be comical if uh, it wasn't such harsh treatment towards people who have honorably served our country. So as whistleblowers, there are certain protections that come for a whistleblower under the law. It would appear that the, the FBI has violated that by the treatment that these whistleblowers have received. That's certainly something worth uh, investigating. The committee has done a certainly a valiant job trying to get to the bottom of this. And with any hope, the whistleblower's testimonies will definitely speak to that. Now, did you clarity on that? Did you um, did you kind of see a common thread throughout the testimony uh, this morning? That uh, there definitely is politicization here and even weaponization. Right. That was what this committee was um, formed to do. One of the members actually warned that what the FBI is engaging in is true weaponization against um, its own agents, in addition to parents who are speaking up at school board meetings, pro-lifers who want to get the their beliefs out there, even just Catholic churches and, and people who attend Catholic churches. It's very, very concerning. So that's, I guess what the theme is, is that there's more that we need to get to the bottom of, and hopefully these agents will uh, will help that. Now, uh, these agents have been, I think, in uh, the testimony I heard, have been removed. They're 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 not working at present, not being yes, former, uh, former agents. Yeah. So, I mean, but they're still officially with the department. They can't do outside work. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really would sound as them. if they're trying to destroy these people. It does sound like that, right? Some of the testimony we have heard. Um, one that really broke my heart. I'm a parent myself. Hearing this man talk about how. He, he had to move across the country for a new post. He was then suspended when he got there. Um, they locked away his possessions. He couldn't access them. He couldn't access key documents, key information. Uh, they had to beg for his children uh, to, to get coats um, in Quantico, when they were in Quantico, Virginia. It just it breaks my heart. Final question for you, uh, Rebecca. Sure. There was testimony today that the FBI had undercover officers, confidential informants, and assets at the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Does this not contradict direct testimony by FBI Director Christopher Wray? It, it certainly seems that it would. And uh, Harriet Higman, uh, congressman from Wyoming, she definitely uh, you know, called out the, the FBI and the CIA on that one. And that's something we really should be getting to the bottom of. And I think it's something that the uh, now that the Republicans are in control of the House, I am confident that if we are going to get answers, it's going to be through this committee. All right, uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you. God bless. All right. Well, a lot more to talk about there. All right. The battle to protect life continues. As yesterday, the Fifth Circuit, you, the, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals 
uh, heard arguments, oral arguments, regarding the FDA's approval of the abortion drug Mifeprestone. Now, last month, a federal judge ruled that the FDA broke the law when it initially rushed its approval. What did we learn from yesterday's hearing as the judges noted significant flaws in the government's argument? Join me now to discuss this is Lathan Watts, the vice president of Public, uh, Vice President for Public Affairs at Alliance Defending Freedom, which argued before uh, the uh, court yesterday. Lathan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. So Good tell us about uh, yesterday's hearing and, and kind of your characterization of what took place. Uh, well, it was um, a very interesting hearing. It went on you know, quite a while. Uh, the judges even allowed a little extra time uh, for both sides because they had asked so many questions of uh, both sides' attorneys. Um, the judges asked a lot of um, very probing questions to both sides. Uh, I thought both uh, attorneys argued well. Um, there were definitely, you know, you, you try not to read too much into oral argument, but there were definitely some uh, some encouraging uh, exchanges between uh, both Aaron Hawley, who argued it for ADF, and uh, between the attorneys for, uh, for the FDA and for Danco Laboratories. So, um I suspect we will get a decision, you know, um, hopefully relatively soon. Uh, this is no longer on an emergency basis uh, as it was before, so probably not as quickly um, as the decisions came out uh, prior to this. But uh, we will wait and see um, uh, what, what the Fifth Circuit decides to do, and then we will evaluate um, how best to move forward. But um, the, the key thing is, when this is all said and done, uh, hopefully there's finally going to be some accountability for the FDA. Um, no government agency uh, should be above the law. And when they violate the law, there should be accountability for doing so. And the FDA has done that and put a dangerous drug on the market that never should have been there. So why is this no longer on an expedited basis? Um, because when we started the litigation at the district court level, uh, we filed a motion for a preliminary injunction, which uh, basically would have taken the drug off the market while the litigation proceeded. And then uh, the FDA appealed that injunction on an emergency basis to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit ruled in our favor on most of the injunction, but not all of it. The FDA then appealed to the Supreme Court on an emergency basis. The Supreme Court then stayed the entirety of the injunction while the litigation moves forward. So everything that has led up to this at this point was on an emergency basis on the injunctive relief. And so now we're actually into sort of the merits of the case. Um, but, you know, it was encouraging uh, to hear uh, Judge Ho mention multiple times yesterday that pregnancy is not an illness. Uh, he even asked the, the attorney from uh uh, from the DOJ representing the FDA, uh, you know, we just celebrated Mother's Day. We, were we celebrating an illness? Right. Um, and, you know, pointing out that the FDA had to uh, qualify pregnancy as an illness to approve mifepristone and to say that it has a meaningful therapeutic benefit to the illness that is pregnancy. So, um, as I said, we're cautiously optimistic, but we'll wait and see uh, what opinion comes out of the Fifth Circuit. And um, if they do rule in our favor, I would expect the other side will probably appeal to the Supreme Court again. So we may be back at the Supreme Court um, so, on this issue. So, Lathan, for the benefit of our, our viewers and listeners, at present, uh, where does the use of the abortion drug stand? So currently, because the Supreme Court stayed the district court's injunction, against the drug. The drug is still on the market. Um, 
And the FDA, as we noted in our case, has lifted basically all the safety protocols that they originally implemented when they approved the drug. So those safety protocols are not there, which makes you know this case all the more important because the safety protocols, at the very least, if those were in place, um, would reduce the uh, the possibility of very serious health implications for women who take this drug. Mm-hmm. So we obviously want the drug off the market because it is dangerous. That would be the best case scenario. I think the second best case scenario would be those safety protocols are put back in place. Um, and at the very least, I think our litigation has brought to light the dangers of this drug. And hopefully uh, women and girls out there who are considering this will now ask some serious questions and hopefully make a better decision, both for their own health and for their baby. Right. And, and I hope that these pharmacies that are going down this path that the FDA has laid out will uh, will think twice before they decide to start distributing this based upon the uncertainty of this court case. Uh, because if they put all this in place and the court rules in favor of women and unborn children and says the FDA violated the law and can't do this, they'll have to do a lot of backtracking. Uh, Lathan, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Appreciate the update. Yes, thanks for being, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, we'll continue to uh, to obviously track that as uh, that makes its way. I, I think the Fifth Circuit, given the makeup of that uh, circuit, will probably act sooner rather than later. All right, coming up next, we're going to be joined by the author of the bill in North Carolina that uh, led to an override of their Democratic pro-abortion governor. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, before, uh, just before we went on uh, the air today, by a vote of 49 to 47, the U.S. Senate confirmed the nomination of Nancy Abudu to the United States Supreme Court, uh, I'm sorry, to the uh, Circuit Court, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. That was the one we were discussing yesterday. That's the, uh, the lawyer that actually is uh, heads up uh, litigation strategy for the Southern Impoverished Law Center, uh, morally impoverished law center. Again, that v- vote 49 to 47, barely passing. Um, anyway. All right. Lawmakers in North Carolina passed legislation this week to protect the unborn after 12 weeks of pregnancy, successfully overriding the veto of Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. North Carolina voters gave Republicans a supermajority in their state legislature last November, and they needed every vote to narrowly override the veto. This continues the momentum we're seeing for life all across the nation at the state level, with lawmakers both in Nebraska and South Carolina also considering pro-life legislation this week. Joining me now to discuss this is State Senator Joyce Krovic. She represents the 31st District of North Carolina. Senator, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, congratulations on getting this legislation passed. Um, Even with the Republican supermajority in your state, I know this result was not completely assured. Oh, it was. uh, We were we were sure on the Senate side that we had the votes to override the veto and we knew we would get a veto when we passed it. But we weren't sure about the House and uh, I'm sure you probably heard we had a Democrat switch to a Republican just in the last couple of weeks and gave us that supermajority. And she did vote with us. So we were able to um, we were able to override the veto. And it is so sweet. But this is the third time within that um, within that bill that we passed. We also had a ban on partial birth abortion in case it changes at the federal level. And we also had the Born Alive Survivors Act. And I have filed that bill every session since I've been there. And it's been vetoed, and we didn't have the votes to override. Uh, so that was also a part of that bill. So now babies that survive those botched abortions will be cared for. So it is um it, it's a it's a great day in North Carolina for sure so this was a uh, this was a big bill comprehensive in it nature in terms bill. of protecting life 
it was a, a big bill as far as protecting life, and we had so many good things in there to take care of moms and babies and families and to promote life. We uh, included $160 million in funding for child care, for taking care of moms during their pregnancy, parental leave. Um, it was just packed with lots of good stuff to take care of those moms and to encourage them to have their babies. So, um, so speak to that a, for just a moment. Uh, Senator, mm-hmm. speak to that aspect of the bill, because we're, we're seeing that across the nation, Mississippi being one of the first to actually fund, allow taxpayers to direct money to care pregnancy centers. So this is not just about protecting unborn children. You know, critics often say, well, you don't care about babies once they come out of the womb. You don't care about their mothers. But this bill is further evidence that that is not true. Absolutely not true. We want to encourage moms to have their babies. Um, Also in the bill was a 72-hour informed consent where the mom really gets to hear all of her options. She, um, you know, now so often they think abortion is their only option, and that is just not true. And so um, they have to be informed about what their options are. And we did allow uh, – it's 12 weeks, no, no abortions elective after 12 weeks. 20 weeks are the exceptions for rape and incest. And then at 24 weeks for um, babies that have life-limiting fetal anomalies, um, that can go up to 24 weeks. But after 12 weeks, all abortions have to be performed in a hospital setting. And it was so ironic on the floor to hear the Democrats actually admit that we were virtually putting an end to abortions because the abortion clinics in North Carolina would all be closed. That was an admission to me that those clinics are not safe for women because now they have to be they have they're held to the same standards as all other ambulatory surgical centers, which is what they are. Right. And uh, it was it was so ironic to hear them say these clinics will all be closed down. Uh, admission that they didn't care about taking care of women. You're absolutely right. Uh, I, I, when I authored the Abortion Clinic Regulation Act back in my home state of Louisiana years ago, that was one of the arguments they'd have to close down. In fact, that many of them did because they were driven by profit, not by the care yes. of their patients. Yes. Uh, w- yes. One other aspect before we run out of time, Senator, is this also addresses the adoption issue, does it not? Absolutely. We have uh, incentives in there for adoption. We have kinship care in there. I mean, there. Uh, it was a big bill that you you name anything having to do with moms and babies and families, and it's in that bill. So we're just really excited about it. And it also shows that the other side doesn't really care about those things as long as uh, they want abortion, and that's it. They were not willing to compromise any in order to get those additional, uh, I mean, just so many good things for those families. But they weren't willing to uh, cross the line and give up abortion and to just give one inch on abortion. And this was very mainstream. First trimester is very mainstream. And I I think we lose sight of that because people paint, uh, oh, they said our bill was extreme and that we were going way too far. When, in fact, 93 percent of the countries around the world limit abortions to the first trimester. You're absolutely right. And so we really are mainstream at 12 weeks. What, what this did, as you just described how some of your Democratic colleagues would not support this bill, it shows who's extreme. 
their view that's exactly right of embracing exactly abortion right. up until the moment of birth and some of them beyond that's what's exactly extreme. that's extreme and i think people know that they won't admit that but we need to keep pointing it out at every opportunity because this shows that that's the really abortion is all they care about yeah senator krovic again congratulations uh on a job so well much. done and thanks for taking time to join us today thanks so much all right. Folks, I'm telling you, it, it's encouraging to see what's happening across the country. Now, the, the left is lamenting this, but this shows you where people are at. I mean, I'm telling you, state legislators are in touch with people more than any other level of government. Maybe city councils. Um, but the life, celebration of life continues. That march continues. All right, don't go away. We're going to have more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you. Still to come, uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville is going to be joining us as he fights to, uh, to end abortion on a military basis or actually stop the funding uh, that the military has uh, started using, moving abortion from about 20 a year in the military to roughly 4,000. So he's going to be joining us a little bit later. But I want to continue this topic because, you know, the media is trying to scare Republicans saying, oh, this is a toxic issue. This is this is the death of the Republican Party if you keep pushing the issue of abortion. Well, first off, 
We're not pushing the issue of abortion. We are protecting unborn life. And here's what's happening. It's moving all across the country. States all across the country are, you know, over two dozen states moving. Some already have, many already have. Uh, but just this week, we have three or four states working to strengthen their laws, protecting the unborn. Why is that? Because that's where the American people are. As Senator Kravik was just talking about, it's not extreme to protect children in the womb. It's extreme to want to abort them at the moment of birth. That's extreme. Well, join me now to talk about this and, and, and how this is going to factor into the 2024 election cycle and what is really happening out there. Brent Kylan, vice president of FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you again. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's like the media is trying to scare Republicans away from this topic when, in fact, we can see where the vast majority of Americans are at. They're at where state legislatures are, reasonable efforts to protect unborn children. Tony, that's exactly right, and and I thought your um, your uh, comment about Senator Tuberville and and what he's doing really does kind of put this issue in focus here. Um, the the focus that the the media has tried to take is tried to make conservatives look extreme, you know, on this issue. Try to be scared, tried not to talk about it. But the reality is 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 that the other the other option is what Senator Tuberville is opposing. You know, this radical expansion of abortion, you know, the, the mainstream Democrat position on this, unfortunately, is, you know, abortion for any reason through all nine months at taxpayer expense. And and like you said, Tony, depending on the poll, that is a position that is opposed by 70 to 80 percent of Americans. But they've been piling on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis this week. He signed a heartbeat bill. All right. If you have a if you don't have a heartbeat, what what does that tell you? You're not alive. That's but right. If, but if you have one, you're alive. And and so he signs a heartbeat bill and, and the national media, of course, speculating that he's gonna run for president and say, Oh, this is horrible, women are leaving him, he's not he doesn't have support. That, it's it's not what I'm seeing. Tony, I would agree with that. And even if you look at polling on the, the the heartbeat aspect specifically, this is still an issue that that the pro-life position on that is supported by the, the majority of, of voters. We at FRC Action did a poll on this just a year ago. There's been more polling that's come out on this uh, more recently than that just this year. And when you ask voters, do you support protecting protecting an unborn child at the point at which they have a heartbeat, the majority of them say, yes, we do. So that's that's not a losing issue. And and, um, you know, the majority of Americans, the majority of of voters do, in fact, support some common sense uh, restrictions. So in this area, here's my take. And, And I mean, you're a little bit closer to this at FRC Action. But my sense is the media wants to scare Republicans into silence so that the the left then can define where conservatives are on this issue. And, and it's a one-sided conversation. And that's what happened in the last midterm election is that the Democrats defined where the Republicans were 
inaccurately, and the Republicans were silent. Tony, I think you are exactly right. There is there's this effort to 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 make conservatives scared about the issue so that they don't talk about it. We heard a lot about that back in 2022. Don't talk about it. Just talk about the economy. You you have to say something. You can't win any type of public debate without at least saying where you stand, without drawing those contrasts. But then, just like you said, Tony, if you don't say anything, the other side is able to speak into that fill the void completely and and say this is what you stand for when that's not uh what when that's not the case at, at all and um i think that is what we're seeing here but it's it's good to see some of these republican candidates starting to recognize that and actually talk about this and and go on the offense on this issue yeah i mean it was even it, it, it is certainly good to see governor DeSantis signing this bill and, and and i had a conversation with him before he signed it i mean he's not backing away from that that's where he is. He supports it. And if you believe these things, you're not going to be intimidated by the media. And, of course, we saw uh, former Governor Donald Trump in the uh, town hall meeting uh, last week. Uh, he, you know, he, he spoke about it, too. That was after our meeting with him. So I, anyway, if, if you believe it, talk about it. Uh, and yes. I believe as, as a conservative, if, if you're a true conservative, you cannot be anywhere else but on the side of the sanctity of human life, and that means protecting children, unborn children. Tony, I totally agree with that. And, and this is a pivotal time for the Republicans as the uh, the positions are being discussed in the Republican primary. Yeah. Whoever wins that will become the standard bearer yeah. going into the elections next year. So it's important that we keep talking about this, letting them know this issue is important to us. Brent Kylan, always great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. Senator Tommy Tuberville is next. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after this. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation to stand for truth and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
Band to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. The Biden administration, senators on the left like Elizabeth Warren and the legacy media continue their attacks on Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. But, but he's not backing down from his stand for life and the rule of law. I'm standing up for the rule of law. What's not a good look is the Democrats coming to the floor and defending, defending an executive branch that is not doing their job. They're trying to do ours. That was Senator Tuberville yesterday on the Senate floor. He's maintained his hold on the blanket promotions of senior military officers and says he will continue to do so until the Pentagon reverses its unlawful abortion policy. Now, the response of Democrats in the Senate as usual, is ridiculous. He's forcing it to go to a floor vote. Makes no sense. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to the American public who's watching this and clearly is an abuse of the use of the powers that we have as senators in this body. Uh, and so I just I have to point that out because this is what we're dealing with, unfortunately, at times when the American public just wants us to work together to move forward. That was Nevada Senator Cortez Masto yesterday. Now, let me interpret her statement for you. Republicans should do exactly what the president and his pro-abortion, anti-faith allies want. Then, then we can tell the American public we're working together. But folks, that's not cooperation. That's capitulation. Joining me now to discuss this and more, Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Armed Services Committee and the Senate Committee on Veteran Affairs. Coach, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. A little bit of a, a fight up there on Capitol Hill. Well, we'd better fight, Tony. We're losing our country uh, slowly, but, uh, you know, they've indoctrinated our, our, our kids in education. Uh, they've taken the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA, the top group, and all those three institutions, and made them the Democratic Party uh, mouthpiece, the mainstream media. 
is so corrupt. They don't know what day it is. And it, it's, it's just sad. And, and of course, you heard uh, the senator there saying that I should go along with everything they want to do. This is the only power we have is put a hold on something. We being in the minority, which we have been since I've been here for the last uh, one on three years. Uh, the only power we have in the minority is to say, listen, we, we want to hold this and you got to go through regular order to make sure this is done right. Now, they can they can get all these people confirmed. They just don't want to work. They want to put them all in one group and everybody raise a hand, and vote for them and send them on down the line. Guess what? That ain't happening with me. Well, let me just say first, Senator, you're a breath of fresh air. And I think I, I know this for a fact because we hear from people. In fact, I think we delivered about twenty five thousand uh, petitions to you, people supporting you, praying for you in the stand that you're taking. But I want to I want to underscore what you just said, because I want our folks to completely understand. I want our viewers to understand you are not blocking the military from advancing officers. They can do it two ways. They can go through the regular order and bring each one up and vote on it, that the Senate can do that. The second, if they want to go through with these blanket nominations or blanket uh, promotions, they simply have to go back to obeying the law in the Pentagon and go back to the previous policy on abortion, which has been approved by Congress. Is that correct? Exactly. Uh, like I told uh, Secretary Austin, uh, I've told the White House and I've told Schumer, either follow the law, which the law was, we had abortions, but for certain exceptions, we've had it for 40 years. We've had no problem. Nobody's complained. Go back to the old law or send the law over you want us to vote on and let us vote on it. And whatever happens, happens, and I'll, dro I'll drop the the, uh, uh, the hold. But let's do it the right way. But this administration, this so-called Democratic Party, which is not Democrats anymore, it's a far, far progressive socialist. They want to change this country, but this is not going to happen. They're going to have to go around me and do the right thing, do it in regular order. Or they're going to have these holes put on them for a long, long time. And I hate it for some of these uh, admirals and generals uh, because this is their livelihood. But you got to understand, we've got to make a stand somewhere. They have corrupted the entire country. Our military uh, is next. And if they can get our military, then the Supreme Court will be next. And what we know is United States of America will not be in existence anymore. Uh, again, I, I want to underscore what you just said. You have offered to the Senate scare leader, Chuck Schumer, that if they want this to be the policy of the military, where abortions go from about 20 a year to 4,000 funded by taxpayers, if that's what they want, simply put a bill onto the Senate floor and vote on it. Is that, exactly. is that what you said? Exactly. I mean, the, the, the Department of Defense wasn't elected. We were. Let's do our job. And that's how things work here. But they do not want to put it on the floor. And why do they not want to put it on the floor, Tony? Because they got about 10 senators that are running for re-election in a year and a half. And it will they will be put in harm's way with a vote against what I'm doing. Because uh, they're out of step with the American people? Exactly. I mean, they're voting for their party. They're not voting for the people. Let's protect our military. That's what this is about. Protect American taxpayers for having to pay for something that it's a law that they don't have to pay for. The Hyde Amendment says American taxpayers do not have to pay for abortions, but this administration could care less. They're a socialist party that wants to change us into what Europe is right now, 
We've got open borders that are changing this country every day. And people, every time somebody comes across that border, it's costing you money out of your pocket. So uh, I know you say it's not affecting you. It is. And it's going to ruin this country. But again, we got all kinds of problems. But this this one right here, they're going to have a hard time getting through me. They're going to have to go over top of me. Uh, they can't go around. Well, a perfect example. Uh, you just said we've got many problems. But this is one that you can actually, you have the ability, the authority to do something about, and you're doing it. And I want you to know that Americans are standing with you. As a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, I want to get you to respond to another one of your colleagues who was on the floor yesterday railing against you, Jackie Rosen, another Democrat from Nevada. Uh, play clip number two. Make no mistake, our adversaries, they are watching this very closely. Russia, China, Iran, and others, they understand how this hurts our military, and they will look and find a way to take advantage of this. All right. Two points I want to get you to respond to this. Number one, this could go away overnight, as you've already pointed out. They can go back to the law, and you'll remove your hold on these blanket nominations. Number two, I think our adversaries are actually looking at other things our military is doing, like drag queen shows, making sure we're using the right pronouns in our military. I think those put us at greater risk than saying we don't want this wholesale abortion policy in our military. Exactly. They've already corrupted our military, and that's what they want. As I said earlier, they've all the other institutions, DOJ, FBI, CIA, uh, They've corrupted them to the core, and we're going to have a tough time getting over this. Media, they've corrupted. Now they're trying to do the military. Uh, we have got to stop them, as you just said, Tony. I had a general come to me a year or so ago and say, Coach, we, we're spending more money on transgender restrooms in the military, and we are making coverings for our $100 million jets. Now, I want you to think about that. We have kids that are having to buy their own uniforms now in the military because we cannot afford to buy them a second or third set of, of uniforms. I've had parents call me and say, what's going on with our military? Aren't we taking care of our soldiers? It's an all-volunteer army. But we, this is one of our last institutions that we've got to hold on to. But they are working very hard every angle to make sure they tear us down. China doesn't fear us anymore. Russia laughs at us. Uh, Iran has almost got the, the nuclear bomb. They're laughing at us. And we're a joke. I mean, we used to be the strongest in the world. We're not even close to that anymore because these radical ideas that they're trying to push into our military, the things that they're teaching, we're teaching CRRT, we're teaching wokeism. We've got books that they're having to read. Admiral Gilday, who runs the Navy, is having these people on, on our ships read books uh, about um, critical race theory, about poems, about social socialism. It's amazing. Uh, of what's going on. We've got to wake up, and, and I'm going to fight for the people of this country, and I'm fighting for the military right now with this hold. Well, Senator, I know you got to go in just a moment, so I, one, one, one final question for you. What can our listeners and viewers do to, to help you in this effort? Because I, I you know, as a veteran, uh, as a Marine veteran, I know that those that join our military are disproportionately coming from families that subscribe to conservative values. They have a faith background. And, and this is important to them to join a military that is not hostile to their views. What I tell everybody, number one, when you get up every morning 
And before you go to bed at night, pray for our country. Folks, we're in trouble. God might be the only one to be able to help us get through this uh, because this is the toughest time I've seen in my lifetime of 68 years on, in this country. My dad died in the military on active duty. My brother was in the military. We are in tough times. This country is in tough times, but we're trying. There, the outside forces are trying to control us in terms of what we do within this country. Marxism was said years ago. We won't have to fire a shot. We're going to indoctrinate their kids into wokeism and and communism, and they're doing just that. So, uh, watch what your kids learn, what they're being taught. Uh, understand what we're trying to do here. We're I, I could care less if I'm ever on TV or, or make a, a statement again. But they are not going to infiltrate our military or continue to do it like they're doing it without me and some of the other people ever getting away. So, again, call your congressman, write your congressman, write your senator, write a letter to the White House. Tell them how you feel about our country and the direction it's going. And then in a year from November, we had better vote somebody that loves this country into the White House, somebody that actually knows what day it is, somebody that will fight for our kids, our grandkids, and for the things that this country stands for. And if we don't do that, what we know today as United States of America will not be. Senator, um, this may be a little unusual, but do you mind if I pray for you before you go? That'd be awesome. Thank you. Father, we come to you, as the uh, as the coach laid out, as Senator Tuberville said, we need to be praying for our nation, and we do pray for our nation, but I pray for those who are standing up for our nation, and I pray for Senator Tuberville. Thank you for his stand. May you encourage him, and may others stand with him, and, and Lord, may you hear our prayers, and may you turn this nation back to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Coach, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right. Well, folks, I don't know if we can lay it out any more plainly than that. I mean, he's on the front lines fighting this battle, and I'm telling you, it's intense. And, I, and I've watched it. I mean, I've been here for 20 years now. And I, but it's men like this that, that, that you're sending because of your votes that are making a difference. They're standing up to the, uh, the, to the establishment. And, and when I say establishment, to both sides— Yes, he, we were talking about the left, but there's there's some uh, some fractures on the right. There are some of those on the Republican establishment that just want this thing to go away. But it's ex- extremely important because this is about the future. As we surrender, you know, a little bit of territory here and a little bit there, before you know it, we've lost the country. And, and we've got to stand up. We've got to pray. We've got to pray, vote, and stand. We've got to pray. We've got to vote our biblical values, and we got to stand for that truth. Well, join me now as we wrap up the, the, the program today. Uh, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Uh, and Travis, you, you just heard my exchange with uh, Senator Tuberville. Your, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly important topic for everyone to hear about, Tony. You know, and it's ironic. You heard Senator Rosen saying that our allies are discouraged. You know, not <laughs> they're, our allies are discouraged in us because we are focused on all the wrong things. Our opponents are not scared of us because we're failing uh, to—we're hung up on this. They're emboldened because we are fixated on pushing abortion in our national defense and LGBT policies in our national defense and internationally. They're emboldened by our distraction 
It's a sad and tragic and sorry state of affairs. And, and I want to play a, a clip from the media so people you know, understand what we're talking about here. The media so skewing this. Of course, consider the source. This is uh, MSNBC. It's uh, Joe Scarborough, who Joe used to be. I mean, I used to be on his program. I used to know him when he was in Congress. He was a Republican in Congress, represented the panhandle of Florida, but has gone off the deep end. Play clip number nine. I mean, can you believe the stupidity of, of this group, group of people who just keep trashing the United States military and discouraging people from actually getting in the military by their by, 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 by their slander? Trashing the military because we're talking about the truth of what's going on, pulling back the curtain and resisting it. This is the same thing they did to Donald Trump when he stood up against the media. Oh, you know, he's this, he's that. When you stand up against the, this tide of liberalism, of not liberalism, this leftist social Marxist agenda, they cause they they accuse you of being the aggressor. Yeah, Tony, any potential service member here in the U.S. watching the Biden administration's fixation with abortion is going to be discouraged from yeah. wanting to serve. What right. kind of military do you want so, to serve in? So let's fix that. Let's, 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 do, and, let's and that's what Senator Tubbs exactly. is trying to do. So that men and women will want to join. We are discouraging well. service members and we're discouraging allies and potential friends around the world by sending the message. This is all we care about. Abortion and LGBT ideology. That's the message we're sending the world right now. Right. And, and so literally, I thank God for men like Senator Tuberville that are willing to stand. And up. we need to pray, as, yeah. as he noted and as you prayed for him. Travis, we're out of time. All right. Good to see you. Thank you. You too. Folks, good to see you as well. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I encourage you, do pray for our nation. Pray for men and women like uh, Senator Tuberville and others. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words. The Apostle Paul says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.